Yes, Honest Actors is back with brand new episodes every Friday. To help me continue releasing new episodes without a sponsor, or to say thanks for your favourite old ones, click the support link in the episode description. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. It's a one-off, feeling generous, good deed for the day sort of thing. Think of it as bumping into me and buying me a drink. To find out more, click the support link. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Uh, yeah, mine's a large red. I hate those guys. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, my name's Jonathan Harden and you're listening to Kind of In Anything at the Minute, the Honest Actors Podcast. This might sound a little bit different and in fact you may have just heard my dog groan in the background uh, because I'm recording in my living room. I wasn't planning on releasing uh, any audio uh, for the next little while but because People, Places and Things is opening again tonight on the West End and because episode one a little over five months ago featured a very popular interview with People, Places and Things leading lady Denise Goff uh, which I conducted about three weeks before she went into rehearsals for uh, the initial National Theatre run of that production I thought today would be a great day to release into the world the very first unedited Honest Actors interview. So this is part one of two parts of the full interview that I did with Denise Goff at Equity uh, some point in, I think it was June last year, I can't even remember. Anyway, here it is. I haven't taken anything out. Part two will be coming Sunday week uh, to coincide with the Olivier Awards in which Denise is quite rightly nominated uh, for her performance in People, Places and Things. Anyway, here it is. Enjoy. So we're recording. Uh, the deal is, uh, very simply, that we'll try and get through this. You threw it by four? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So uh, it shouldn't take that long. Um, and if at any point you want to just take a break or you need to go pee, just say. That's mm-hmm. fine. We can pick it up from wherever, okay? Um, first of all, uh, I have to say thank you very much <laughs> You're for taking part and giving your time. It's very much appreciated. And uh, I'm glad we've been able to find a time when you're free. Yeah, me too. Because I know you're about to get very busy. Um, You. So it starts relatively simply. And all I would like to ask to begin is, how did you get into acting? Right. So um, I did, like, I was part of the Ennis Musical Society once in the west of Ireland when I was about eight or nine I think and then I did a school show um, but then seriously getting into it because there was no way I was going to be an actress in the west of Ireland I came to London when I was 16 and then I kind of pissed about for a bit and then I did a foundation course at Lewisham College which I hated and uh, and then I started doing an improvisation class every Saturday at a nightclub in Camberwell that had been closed down because there was loads of shootings. So we had a three-hour class every Saturday and I fucking loved it. And no matter what was going on, I was at that class. And the teacher uh, suggested I go to drama school, so I borrowed some money to do auditions. And he was a teacher, a tutor at the drama school that I ended up getting a scholarship to go to. 
Um, so that's how, and then I found my agent at drama school. Okay, different question. Why did you get into acting? Why, at, in those early days, was it so appealing to you, do you think? I've no idea, to be honest. I've asked myself it a lot, uh, in that really wanky way that you do. Um, I don't know, I've always wanted to do it, always. But I, I, specifically, I always wanted to be on stage. I love being on stage, so... it. I guess pretending to be other people, I like doing that. I was always doing that as a kid, pretending to be French or pretending to be like... I remember being in London early and pretending I could work in an office, you know, and I got a briefcase and I got a suit and everything. There was nothing in the briefcase. I lied about having like 70 words a minute. It turned out in the test I had 11. Um, I liked pretending to be other people, maybe. Maybe, that's why. So, um, do you remember then, if you love it so much, you must, I guess, the first time you were on stage, you had an experience akin to being on stage, performing in front of an audience. Right, so I played, when I was 12, I played Miss Hannigan in Annie, and I remember something went really wrong on stage, all the girls playing the kids, the kids, I was 12. Um, I don't know, something went wrong, and I just made a load of shit up, and the audience started laughing, and I thought, oh, I fucking like this bit because I'd been in Fiddler on the Roof before but I was kind of in the background in the chorus I wasn't interested in that at all <laughs> but as soon as it was all about me darling I yeah, I loved it I absolutely loved it and I loved how you just had to yeah you just had to I, I just I made stuff up and it worked still did you in those early days have the support of your family in it when it was a hobby or when it was something that Denise did was it something they backed I think early, early, I did, I did a, a class, a, a, a drama class in, down with one of the neighbours, Lord O'Donoghue, and, uh, and it was just something I did once a week, but I, re I really loved it, but no, no, I mean, the west of Ireland, I come from a family of 11 children, acting wasn't a, a, an option for a career, and I remember I thought, I'll go, I'll, you know, when I thought, you know, I had my life worked out at 12 or 13, I thought, I'll go to Trinity College and I'll study drama, which I'm really glad in the end I didn't do, because it's really academic, and I'm, I don't have an academic bone in my body, and uh, uh, so, no, there wasn't support for it, there wasn't, and I left home very young too, so there wasn't support for that either, so, um, yeah, they didn't. So, at what point then do you personally begin to realise that there could be a career in it? So if it's if you come from a background where mm. that just doesn't happen, nobody leaves Ennis or mm. somewhere like that and, and becomes an actor, makes a living from it, when did you realise that actually might be a possibility for you? When I was on stage in the West End with Holly Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, fucking hell, how did this happen? <laughs> Jesus! No, I think uh, I think my agent taking me on was quite a big thing because, uh, you know, I, I, I was in drama school and I thought, I know that I'm kind of good at this. You know, I'm not going to pretend I don't think I am. I, I know what I'm doing. Um, but, yeah, I think having a big agent take me on was like, Jesus. But you must have thought there was a career in this when you, were, when you made the transition from somebody oh, doing I workshop classes mean. in Camberwell to somebody who is going, right, well, a person believes in me mm. and I'm going to audition for drama school. Mm. But did the actual realisation, I mean, was the reason you sought those classes out in the first place, was that partly because you wanted to do it professionally? Was it just something you thought, regardless of what I do, 
11 words a minute in an office mm. or working behind a bar. I just need this. Mm. Was it, you know, what point did it become something you thought, actually, this is worth pursuing as a main? I think I've always thought I could do it. Somehow. Yeah. I just never had any doubt. I just didn't think that it, I would be able to make this kind of... I mean, I've had really rough times, but I've been really fortunate in the work that I've been able to do. You know, I didn't think that it was going to go like this, you know? Yeah. Because when I came to London at 16, I, I used to walk up and down Shaftesbury Avenue fucked, you know, picking up fag butts to make cigarettes, thinking, I just want to be an actress. How the hell am I going to be an actress? I've lost everything. I don't know. And then about seven years ago, I walked up Shaftesbury Avenue and I looked up and there was a poster of me outside a fucking theatre. I mean, yeah, so I think I don't, I don't know, sheer fucking <laughs> belief. I always, I just thought, it's got, I've got no choice but to have it happen, I suppose. Um, so, jumping then, you came over, you ended up in drama school, it was Alra, was it? Mm-hmm. Um, and you spent, I assume, three or four years there. What, when you come out, um, do you remember the first paid job you got? Yeah, Liverpool Everyman, uh, doing a play called The Kindness of Strangers. And I had already done an unpaid job at the Actors Centre with a lovely director I'd worked with at drama school who also was somebody, Spencer Hinton is his name, he was also someone who told me I could do it. And uh, I remember thinking, God, he's a proper director and he's telling me I can do it. But yeah, so the, the Liverpool Everyman was my first paid job. And uh, yeah, I, well, it was amazing. It was amazing living up there. Me and Lorraine Burroughs <laughs> lived in a house in the centre of Liverpool and we tore the place apart. It was amazing. And you said that um, you, know, you didn't expect that you would have a career regardless of the difficulties that we mm. all face, you've faced, that you'd have a career that you've had. What were your expectations coming out of Alra of what might lie in front of you? Um, I thought I'd just, you know, I'd do plays. I, I really wanted to set up a theatre company. You know, my first year at drama school, I stood up in whatever you call those things, uh, you know, when everybody is gathered at the end of the week or the start of the week, and I said, look, I want to set up a company. Does anyone want to do that? And one person came up to me afterwards and I was like, what the fuck is this about? I kind of wanted to be a bit of a revolutionary with it too, you know. It was all about theatre. I didn't, you know, God, the times have changed. I'm like, please give me an advert. <laughs> but I, I, I wanted to make theatre. I wanted to be on stage. And I kind of figured I was going to be one of those, you know, I, I would be broke all the time, which I have been, actually. So yay to me. I was right on that. Um, but... But I thought I'd make theatre with people and we would sit around smoking fags and drinking wine and like making theatre, which now I think, oh God, I'm so pretentious. But, but yeah, I wanted to make stuff, you know. Um, but I think I, I started drama school at a time where people started to want to be famous and so that's what I was faced with. In, in uh, just, just as an aside, you mentioned Stage whisper, making stuff. Yeah, aside. <laughs> Stage so um, you said about uh, this is an aside, people. Okay. You said you said about making stuff. Do you have any desire to make things? Like, are you a maker? If you weren't oh, making theatre, do you make God. other stuff in your life? Like, do you cook? Is it something that you have? Yeah, I make. Uh, I make fun. Um, I yeah. I mean, I like cooking, but it's a bit. It kind of bores me a bit. 
It's a bit messy. I don't like things getting messy. I do cook grease shows at home. Bro, do I have you? To tell me, but shut you up. do everything, though. No, but I do. I mean, I'll, when I'm in the kitchen, sometimes I do. God. Even at 35, <laughs> I still do. So uh, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to chop oh. the uh, peppers up. And what you'll see when I'm doing that is, uh, <laughs> right? And, and Bruno, I only have three ingredients. <laughs> Look at what I can make. Bruno up in, in the next room and go, can you stop that? Can you please stop that? Like, and it only happens once a few months. And it's one of those things that just happens randomly. And Bruno will be like... Fuck. No, stop it. Please stop the cookery no, show. I don't, Imagining I don't there's do a camera that. underneath the cupboards. <laughs> I love it, that's fantastic. Just chopping some onions. Uh, but yeah, no. so I mean. But I always think if I had like my sister's kitchen and all her utensils and everything, maybe I'd, I'd cook do more. Do a really good cookery show. Yeah, with like yeah. the best top. Um, we don't really focus on jobs unless they come up. So mm. I like to give people an opportunity to, as a way of identifying themselves, I suppose, to people who might not know who they are. Mm. And also just, <laughs> Everyone. As, just as a kind of, before we talk, um, talk in some part about negatives or mm. things that have been challenges. Difficult. Challenges is a good way of describing it. Um, that I say, if you could um, pick one job, and it can be, you know, that, that speaks of you, that, that you think, that's the kind of work I'd love to do. That's something I'm really proud of. It could be the job you're most proud of. Aside from, uh, you know, uh, playing my spouse. Uh, yeah. Being your <laughs> wife what? in a what? Titanic of a show that sank without trace. Uh, not my house. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're still watching it there. <laughs> so uh, what, would, what would that be? Desire Under the Elms at the Lyric Theatre, directed by Sean Holmes, was the part... And the the production and the relationship with a director that defines now how I think about myself as an actor, and I'm forever grateful to him and that role. And doing that. if you don't mind me saying, for which I believe you won. As newcomer, still standing newcomer, as I like to call it, um, which was hilarious considering uh, I've been working for eleven years. Well, that's what it was about. Yes, <laughs> um, it it struck me at the time as as. Well deserved, but ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, listen, they're not. It's not about the awards, right? But but it was nice to. Uh, it it, it must know, have been. It was nice, um, but what was nice was, uh, you know, I, I was nominated at the Evening Standard Award, and what was really nice was the award went to an actual newcomer because I I genuinely would have been mortified standing in front of all those people. First of all, I would have apologised, which I never want to do for getting an award. I want to say, be able to say thank you and cheers and bring on more work. But I would have apologised. And, and uh, so I was delighted it went to lovely Matthew Tennyson. And, uh, and I got a big shiny night with my sister. You know, I think we nicked a few forks and uh, talked about the fact that 15 years ago, you know, I, I, you know, anything could have happened. And there I was sitting at a table with Sean and my sister, and I was, I was chuffed a bit. And then I won the new, the newcomer award. What was it called? Most the Jack Tinker Award for most promising newcomer. So we inverted it, me and my sister, and made it the most prom. What did we say? Tinker. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, 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 the newcomer award for most promising tinker. And I thought that was, uh, was nice. So, so, so I was, I was given that award without. Um, Without any fanfare, you know, you went to a little room in a theatre in the middle of the day and I, and I was able to say in my speech, look, thank, it was the critic circles, so I was able to say, I think we all know that I've been working for 10 years, but if they had given me that award 10 years ago, I wouldn't have noticed it in the same way, you know, I was really genuinely... I was, yeah, that was, that was a fucking part. That was an amazing but, experience. But then, um, and I... 
I'm not I'm not kind of uh, leading you down a line where I want you to say no to this, but did no. it change anything for you? Oh, it was weird because um, I remember talking to Sean about it afterwards. He offered me a job and I was like, you know, it would have been a long contract. And I said, <laughs> and I said listen, mate, I have to fucking cash in. You know, this, I have to... I have to use this to kind of, first of all, earn some fucking money and um, and generate a bit more work for myself. And that's not going to happen if I if I disappear for a year. So I was trying to be quite strategic, but it turned out that, you know, I, I, I it got me a bit of different kind of attention. But but actually, and I've shared this with other actors who when they had their kind of success moment, excuse me or whatever, um, they found that people kind of seem to think, oh, they're really busy. And so, it, so the work kind of stopped. Like last year, I had the quietest, most challenging year I've ever had in my career. And, uh, and, and was that because you were being very picky? No. Or was it because? No, love. No, it really wasn't. And people think that, you know, they think, yeah, but you must be turning shit down. <laughs> no, I really fucking wasn't. You know, I really wasn't. Um, because I'm not one for turning something down. You know, if a nice part comes along in a nice theatre and I'm not, I, I, you know, I don't think I turned anything down in the last year. Yeah, I don't think I did. I got turned down, I got rejected a fucking lot. Because I started, I think what happened was I decided, I had done two plays last year which I found quite challenging both times. And uh, and I think I was exhausted really. Um, and and I and I thought, right, I need to kind of maybe do some tele auditions, you know. And so that started, and that's a whole different world, man. Doesn't matter what you do in the room for a tele audition. It's like, you know, I had somebody I remember sharing with my beautiful friend Minnie Gale. She was like, I had a director kiss my hand <laughs> before I left the room, and then she never heard anything again. And uh, I, I'm, I'm, these when I start talking, usually I cut it out. But uh, I have a, a director now that I refer to as the winker. Because mm -hmm. I auditioned for a lead role in an ITV series about this will not be in the podcast mm -hmm. about three years ago, and uh, on the way to the room, he pulled me close to him and winked with one eye, mm -hmm. and I thought, I've had that. Fuck, I am, I in. am in, I'm in. Didn't get it. Thought that's a bit weird. Uh, but two years later, about a year ago, um, I did for an audition for another great part in another series he was directing, and uh, after the audition, he, I shook his hand over a desk and he winked, and I had a moment and I just went and winked back at him. And I could see in his face him realise that he had done that before. That he that that's his thing. Wow. Because I just thought, what do you don't, do? don't be, do be yeah. more self-aware. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. It's horrible. Well, listen, there's thousands, there's thousands of stories, isn't there? And like you know, yeah, I've had, uh, I've had that, and I, uh, it's a, it's been a great lesson for me to learn that, you know, I, I prepare, do whatever, but you know. If an executive, if I remind an executive of his, his ex-wife or her ex-wife or ex-husband, um, I'm not going to get the part. You know, it's nothing to do with what I can do. And I really feel sorry for directors of TV now because I think, wow, you used to hold all the power, mate. Now you don't have a fucking chance if you want me, but somebody else wants someone else. That's it. I mean, I, I lost out to something recently and I posted this on Facebook because I believe in kind of raising awareness around it. And... I was told, you know, I heard that uh, the part that I'd gone up for, that same thing, you know, I'd gone, okay, that's, oh, that was a good fucking audition. Um, and, uh, and it went to another actress, and I said, oh, that's really interesting, because she was like 10 years younger than me. And I thought, wow, that's an interesting thing. So my agent went back and asked the casting director, you know, what, what happened there? And basically, I was told, 
look, you did the most intelligent audition, but the other women in the show aren't very, what word did they use? Maybe it was hot or not, not aren't very conventionally beautiful or something. So they, basically they need a hot girl. And, uh, and so they went with a more conventionally uh, pretty girl. Now, I, that's a total, that's a load of shit, you know, because what that did was it insulted everyone, including, and I know she's not going to be worried about it, but including the lovely woman who got the part, you know, it's like fucking hell. That's a disgrace that they're allowed to say that. But, but how, that's just the way that it is, isn't it? But I think by talking about it, we can raise how ridiculous that sounds, you know? Yeah. Because having said that, and I tell that story, and then I have another story about losing out to a girl who was 10 years, or six years older for a part that they could have gone younger with, and I was able to go, yes, fucking at least they're casting yeah. within the right age. And, and, and uh, Sometimes you don't mind losing out. Like, absolutely, loads of times. If I yeah. lose out to Sinead Matthews, Jodie Whittaker, there's a fucking list of them. I am perfectly happy with that. You just you go, know? yeah, fur dues. Yeah, absolutely. Fur cop gov. But when you're told you're not conventionally hot enough, it stung for a little bit, but then I realized, yeah, I'm totally So here's my <laughs> growing skills. In segue, we've yeah. just been talking about. Oh my God, is this a segue? When you don't get the job. Oh um, yeah, right. So uh, this has been in all of them so far, and I feel like this agent should be named, but he will remain nameless. nameless. An agent once told me that the only time an actor is happy. The only time an actor is ever happy, Jonathan. <laughs> Jonathan is <laughs> when they get the call to say they've got the job. And that five minutes is magical. And it's a joy. He actually said it's a joy. It's the only good part of being an agent as well, mm. is that call. Because after five minutes, the fear sets in. Mm. Am I good enough? Uh, I'm going to have to actually do this. Oh, shit. Mm. Can I afford to do this? All that kind of stuff. Should I have turned it down? What else will come up? Do you recognize yourself in that? And if so, what kind of things do you worry about from five minutes onwards? Right, so I recognised an old version of myself in that. And then I realised that that wasn't fun for me. Thinking that way is not fun. If a child came up to me having got some great news and then was like, oh my God, I'm really scared, I wouldn't then go to the child, yeah, and then it's going to be shit from there on. I wouldn't scare the child, so why am I scaring myself, you know? I have got a job recently that has been nothing but joyful from the moment I got it and it will continue regardless of how it turns out until the job is over and from then on too I don't engage with that anymore I think that that's the I think that that's kind of we're fed that idea you know feed the fear feed the fear there's a collective anxiety amongst actors that we keep pouring the anxiety in well I'm taking the fucking my anxiety is out of that pot I'm not I don't get anxious about stuff like that anymore I just I, I don't what do you get anxious about then? Okay, so what I used to... Being broke, man. I don't like being broke. <laughs> I really... I find it hard. I do. And, and uh, you know, it takes its toll when, when you can't afford to pay your rent. It takes your, its fucking toll. And I think that that's... You know, when I see um, kind of... And I, I'm not saying this to have a bitching session at Privileged Actors because I, there's a place for fucking everyone as far as I'm concerned. But there is something in when you do not have to worry about money or where... You know, or having to maybe take a job just for the money, um, you know, it gives you a certain glow. And and there are times when I don't have that glow because I'm worried that I can't pay my rent. So, um, 
so that yeah that that has been my my fear in the past but my father has also said to me if the only thing you're worried about in this life is money then you're doing all right and and so I owe it to myself to just try and live a life that isn't racked with fear what's the point seriously what's the point um so do you carry that fear um of financial kind of uh ruin uh do you carry that into auditions do you have to do you have to kind of drop that you make a conscious effort yeah because the last year was so difficult i had to get to a point that i realized that with or without money i'm all right you know i'm still enough without you know uh the last year was the best year that ever happened to me in my career. Um, I was surviving on £30 a week at certain points, doing my shopping in my sister's fridge. Um, and I'm so grateful for it because... because... <laughs> I don't want to live in any kind of fear, financial or otherwise, so going forward I'm not going to worry about that either, you know? I'm just not going to... I refuse. So does that mean then... The new Denise mm. enjoys auditions immensely. Yeah, and I, I tell you, I've always loved auditions. I, al I always have, unless there's a wanker in the room and you just, it's not happening, you know. But I've always loved them. I see them as an opportunity. My little sister says it brilliantly because she's an actress. And, uh, and she says, you might never get, especially on the good stuff, you might never get to do it again. Enjoy it. Enjoy it, you know. And so uh, I have always, always, always enjoyed auditions. And do you know when it's gone well then? I, yes, I do. But since the land of TV, I know that that doesn't mean anything anymore. You know, before, if something went really, really well, then you could think, yeah, that's, you know, in with a shot. But then you never hear anything again with TV. So. so do you think that luck then plays a huge part in bridging the gap between a good audition and actually getting the job? Is it, is it luck? Or what, if it's not luck, what is it? I don't know. Listen, I get all spiritual about this. But, you know, for me, what's for me doesn't pass me by. And so there's just the stars align sometimes. And, and I, I think I'm, I will play the parts I'm supposed to play. And therefore, I don't have to engage in competition. And I can really genuinely develop... Uh, happiness for other people who are getting success the last I just don't want to I don't want to compete I don't want to have to ever hate other women or be scared that younger women are coming up or you know I just um I don't think I answered that question did I you did yeah uh, so what do you do then uh when you don't get the call and you're finding yourself in a period where you're unemployed what kind of things do you do to stay sane uh, I avail myself of all the free tickets that people give me to see shows that they're in. I meditate. I'm a big meditator. Uh, I do uh, do yoga. I see my sister's kids all the time as much as possible because, you know, if you want to hang out, if you want to find out, you know... You know, I, I realised, especially in the last year, I cannot get my self-esteem from being an actress. I just can't. That's It's not going to work for me anymore. I tried it. It doesn't work. It's empty. Um, when you hang out with kids that you love and that love you when you're out of work, they're not saying to you, yeah, but you're not working at the moment, so you're a bit shit, aren't you? They're just, like, brilliant, the funny yeah. ones here. So Your, yeah, sure, value, your sure value doesn't go up and down with kids. Absolutely. Or your family, you know, if you're yeah. lucky enough to have... I mean, I've been so blessed with the family I have. Um, so, yeah, I, I do stuff like that. Walks, uh, I walk a lot, cycle a lot. So you... I mean, did you always find it easy to stay positive? It sounds like you've no. kind of something you've cracked 
um, of late. And oh. I know when I work with you, which is unbelievably on nearly three years ago, that that certainly was my impression of you, that you were very positive, very together. Um, and, and Yeah, but someone who kind of, you know, took it all with a pinch of salt. Even then, you've said it's even more recent. Yeah. Um, so before that, if I'd met you, say, you said with your sister 15 years ago, anything could happen. If I'd met you, you know, a couple of years out of, out of Ara, you've been at the Everyman, you've come out on a high, and maybe things haven't gone quite so well all the time. Mm. What back then... Um, how did that manifest itself back then? Those I was scared, man. I was a scared young actress, and uh, and also the thing was, I did very well quite quickly in theatre, you know. And and by year two of outside of drama school, I was, you know, in the West End, hanging out with really famous people, which completely freaked me out because, you know, my self-esteem was on the floor for a long time, and you know, I used work and other things to kind of bolster me up, you know, and. Uh, and so when a job would finish, I'd be fucking devastated, absolutely devastated. And, uh, I know the feeling. And now, <laughs> I just, that's not, you know, of course you have the dip and everything, but, no, I mean, listen, mate, I've had a fuckload of therapy, so <laughs> that has helped. And, and you're not the first that no, said that. No, absolutely, and I think, you know, with, with, with what we do face in this job, you know, because I am, I'm with a friend of yours who's written a beautiful article about what it is, for him to be an actor and how, you know, I'm all for, I'm just a tradesperson, you know, this is my trade and everything, but unfortunately my trade brings with it something that triggers every single one of my emotional fucking flaws, defects, whatever you want to call it. So I owe it to myself. If I want to have a happy, healthy life, I owe it to myself to do the work necessary to, uh, to fucking love myself anyway, man, you know? Because the first few years in this business, I was having loads of success and I was missing it all because I was like, well, what's that person doing? And what's that? And should I be over there now? And should I be going to that party? And should I be doing, you know, it was just a load of shit. I'd missed it. I missed, my agent was beautiful once. She said to me, I got a part in a play in Ireland. It was fucking amazing with two of my favourite actors, you know, and, uh, and I got the part and I did that thing, you know, the five minutes of yay. And then, but shouldn't I be doing films now? Like... We shouldn't have it. And she said, I'm going to say this to you once. You're fucking missing it. I went into her office nearly 15 years ago now, my little wow. shaved head, and I said to her, I want to do theatre. For the rest of my life, I want to do theatre. That's it. And she said, and that's what you've been doing for five years. At this point, I'd been out for five years. And she said, and, and, and what was, so why are you pointing? Why are you over there? And I thought, she's dead fucking right, you know? If I keep, and I see it happening to friends of mine now, you know, as they become more and more successful, the fear is even greater. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I hate it because I think you're missing it. You're missing these beautiful moments of, of work that are happening because you're thinking, you know, because the ego will find a way to fuck up everything. I, I had a moment uh, on the job we worked on where I was in the mm. back of a car with an actor who will remain nameless who's extremely successful. Um, you'll probably work out who it is. Mm -hmm. Where he had exactly that and you're th we're, we're, and it was a big moment for me because I thought it's all relative absolutely the bigger the jobs the bigger the fears the bigger yeah. the, the bigger the, the bigger the earnings the bigger the tax bill mm -hmm. like and and that can be emotional tax it can be whatever absolutely. like it's all relative yeah but also that's what I mean about making the choice you know because I firmly absolutely 100% believe that it's a choice you know I choose to go the way of the ego or I choose to go the more kind loving way which is how do I work out a way of you know my work is not my life. My life is my life. My work is part of my life. If it stops bringing me joy, 
then I'm going to have to question whether I do it or not. You know, I just, yeah, after the, the after a year in, in what I lovingly call Siberia, you know, uh, yeah, I'm so grateful to the lessons it's learned because so, every job I've had since, I'm just like, thank you, you beautiful, beautiful people for giving me another job. Uh, Justine Mitchell said, every, every job is against the odds yeah, and every job that, is yeah. a victory. And it's, it's so true. Yeah. But, just, but you can easily forget that. Of course. If they keep coming and suddenly it's like, well, I'm not being paid enough. Well, why don't I have this trailer? Why don't I? Fuck that. I used to keep a track of how many auditions I did and how many of those I got. And I used to keep a little note in my computer where it was like one out of you know three or whatever my average was, and it was at one point like one in three, and then it's it's dropped to you know one in dozens now I think mm. or one in twelve or thirteen like I, I mean I'm estimating because I stopped keeping it, mm. but I used to kind of like be like well I haven't got these last two so this is the one I have to get and if I didn't get it I'd be like fucking behind and fuck it's expectation yeah, though isn't it you totally. know if i have expectations it's just a resentment in under construction you know yeah. if things fail to live up to my expectations can i handle the the result of that you know and so that's what i mean about you have to do the fucking work yeah. to make sure so i'm not in charge I'm uh, you just mentioned Siberia, which I thought was lovely, um, being in Siberia. But it, I got that from a, a thing that Ewan McGregor did on The Long Way Round, and right. he, he started in, in Siberia. Siberia. He started yeah. in Siberia on his bike. My friend told me this when I was in Siberia recently, and she told me this story, and I really hold on to it. And, and basically, he was in Siberia, and he was like, what the fuck have I done? I've left my family for this. He kept falling off the bike, falling off the bike, falling off the bike. Anyway, I, I remember it. three months later, he's cruising down San Francisco somewhere and a truck clips him out of nowhere and he almost goes under the truck, but he pulls himself out and, and comes out to the side of the road and the cameraman's like, fucking hell, we thought you were dead. And he said, yeah, and I would have been if it hadn't been for Siberia because in Siberia, I learned how to stay on the fucking bike. And so, you know... I've been in Siberia or the desert or whatever you want to call it for the last year, but I have learned so much about how to stay on the bike, man, and enjoy the fucking ride. I am not giving more than I need to give to this to, to this industry. I'm just not. It can take so much. So what's the longest you've spent in Siberia? Okay, so, so, so July I start a, a job. So this is July. Yeah, so it's been... A, I've had a few, a few very, uh, uh, I'm very grateful for them, but they, they were small jobs over the past year, so this was the longest, it was a year. I did a, 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 a bit of radio um, and um, a small scene in something a month ago, um, but that was the longest. You know, I'm used to doing three plays a year, and uh, so that was a big drop for me. But now I understand why, because the thing I'm about to do, I needed a lot of fucking rest for, and also I needed a lot of yeah the lessons so that's it if you enjoyed that part two as i said earlier will be coming on sunday week to coincide with the olivier awards uh, in the meantime thank you very much for coming back and listening i can tell you uh, in relation to the save honest actors campaign that there has been uh, a little exciting development this morning i hope to be able to tell you more about that in the coming weeks anyway have a great week i'll speak to you soon 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 